0: A header on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders.
1: Third, a foot race the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively, Wayne Rooney, that net is empty, big collision by the captain, that is unbelievable effort. Rooney, putting one
0: off, Costa. header, goal! Patrick Bacosta! Cole
2: picks it up, Cole's crossing!
0: Doesn't get much better than
2: this, folks. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan.
0: Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today uh, is a man who must be very cold because he has all the scarves <laughs> there with him. It's Logan Stump.
1: Uh, yeah, it's cold here in Central Florida. I think it was <laughs> yeah. it was kind of a, I think it was like an eighty nine ninety 90 kind of day with like humidity of about 150. So, you know, really nice Earth. day. Um, yeah, I had my <laughs> scarves on. I've got like long sleeves on. Um. It's cold out here, man. I I don't know how they do it down here in Central Florida, but um, I guess each their own. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh,
0: it is actually uh, pretty nice up here in good old Maryland right now. It's like a um, uh, probably like low 80s. Feels pretty good. But it's going to be rainy, so not looking forward to that. Uh, We got a big show for you today. We do have a guest that will be joining us in uh, a little bit so we're going to try to get through the score lines and such before they jump on uh so let's go ahead and just kind of dive in as soon as possible here we had a uh a weekend that started on uh well we had the midweek games we did have the uh the leagues cup which uh SKC got smashed in by Club León six one. They were not taking it that seriously, so that was that was kind of a bummer. Uh, they never really took the Champions League that seriously either, so it's right. kind of just a common trend. You know what? It might work for them. They might end up being Supporter Shield uh, or you know top of the Western Conference this year. So whatever works for them, whatever cup they're they're pretty much uh, you know putting as their number one. I can see why they would be aiming for MLS Cup uh, because I feel like that's probably the one most managers get, uh, get judged on. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, I can kind of understand why they would, why they would do that. Seattle though, they were like, we're going to treat this seriously. And they went out and beat Tigres uh, three nil and just was a fantastic game on last Tuesday. It was a lot of fun to watch, uh, much more fun to watch than the Kansas City game. <laughs> then on Wednesday, they had uh, we had Monterey versus Cruz Azul in the Champions League. Monterey has the advantage after one leg, 1-0. One NYCFC uh, drew with Pumas in the League's Cup, but Pumas wins 3-2 on penalty kicks. So I was very excited because New York City FC had you know, taken the lead, I think, a few times. They kept mm-hmm. getting called back for offside. They finally take the lead, and then it ends up, you know, being uh all for nuts right they lose uh because i was i think the winner of that is supposed to face orlando and santos and orlando went out there and lost to santos one nil oh no they face seattle uh that's right because uh it, logan before your time let me s- sit down for story time with with jordan here i am sitting uh <laughs> Uh, before your time, uh, Santos and Seattle faced off quite a few times in the Champions League, and they had quite the rivalry. And at that time, they also had Hercules Gomez, on, uh, who played for Santos. Um, he is an ESPN analyst now, but he was a Santos player. Um, he scored quite a few goals against uh, Seattle, uh, knocked them out. And then uh, those were the, like the eras where we would win, like the home leg, and, and get battered in the away yeah. leg. Yeah. Uh, so now we've still come a long way. So setting up for that kind of rebirth of a rivalry is is actually pretty fascinating. Uh, Club America beat Philadelphia two 0 I will say, guess what? I watched the replay of this. When I was in Double Day Cafe at Cooperstown, wow, they had it on Fox Soccer Plus.
1: That's amazing. Really, like I on like on in the bar.
0: Yeah, it was on in the bar.
1: Mm, Wow, that's pretty big.
0: Yeah, no, I wasn't just saying. I was just. I thought you just meant like on
1: your phone. No, no, no. Jordan's over in the cafe by like with his (laughs) wife, just just kind of creeping in a game here.
0: No, they, they were actually playing it, which I okay. thought was, was I, pretty they cool. Were, the players were that's playing it. That's out. why I made note of it. Uh, it would not have been as good of a story if <laughs> it was not the case. Uh, but the union have some work to do here, as they concede it in like the 16th minute on a, on a free kick, in the and then again later in the game. But, you know, as I talked with Todd, I was on with Todd, uh, as we shared on our Twitter, on the free kick pod, he had me back on. We talked some MLS transfers and stuff, and uh, also talked some union. And we, you know, talked about the Club America game before it happened. And uh, Todd has been pointing out all this season how the union have been giving up goals in like the first 15 minutes of each half. And, you know, that happened in the first half. And when you're away from home at Azteca, especially, it's something you can't really afford to do. So uh, the union have some work to do in Chester, especially giving up that other goal. would have been fine if it was 1-0, I think. We could really make a push at home, but uh, it does not seem to be the case. Uh, Then we had the MLS weekend start on Friday. San Jose versus Vancouver ended up 0-0 in San Jose. LA Galaxy beat Minnesota 1-0 in Minnesota at Allianz Field. So... Uh, our friend Jack and AJ from the final third were there for, to celebrate Jack's 21st birthday. Happy 21st birthday, Jack. Uh, if you're listening. Um, and if you're not listening, you know, still happy birthday. Uh, but LA Galaxy win that we one. We don't wish you happy
1: birthday if you don't <laughs> listen to our show.
0: Uh, Montreal beat New York 2-1 to continue their great start to the season this year. Um Then we have uh, New York City FC beating Miami 2-0 as they continue their ascension to the top year. and they played that one in Red Bull Arena. Toronto lose to New England 2-1 at BMO Field as New England continue their trot to the supporter shield. Uh, SKC then beat Dallas 2-0, a Dallas that was kind of resurging for a little bit there, so nice result for for uh, for SKC there to get that. Then we had Houston 1, Colorado Rapids 3. And then we had Real Salt Lake beating Austin 1-0 at Rio Tinto. Lots of hashtag woof out uh, this weekend. On Sunday, we had, <laughs> we had some great games on Sunday. So you had Atlanta beat LAFC 1-0. Chicago with the upset over Columbus 1-0 as Columbus just have not been good this season at all. And it's just one of those weird, (laughs) weird situations where everybody thought they'd run away with it. But this is MLS and it doesn't usually happen that way. And then we had uh, the Nashville SC beat DC United 5-2. DC took the early lead there and Nashville said no. We're at home. (laughs) We're going to win this game like we've been doing all season. We have not lost at home. And they go and put five on D.C. United, who's been good this year. D.C. United have been good this year. Then we had the at Providence Park. We had uh, the Cascadia Cup matchup, Portland Tempers versus Seattle Sounders. And this one was a blast to watch would have been better in person just saying, but uh, we hit uh, Freddie Montero in the 13th minute. Then he scores again in the 29th minute. Blanco pulls one back to make it two one. And then it's two, two in the 55th minute, uh, 52nd minute. And then in the 55th minute, Rui Diaz scores. Then Rui Diaz scores in the 72nd. Madron- uh, Madranda in the 77th and Benazet in the 90 plus four. And an, in- finishes six to two seattle as they seem to be back on track now uh, as portland have been starting to do better and now we end up with the tables looking a little bit like so so kansas city top of the west with 37 points and seattle in second with 36 they both play 19 games and guess what the team that took so long to get their first loss is now in second place. So I guess that didn't matter in the end. Uh, SKC actually still has more losses than Seattle, but has one more win and uh, uh, one more win, which helps give them a little bit of an edge there. LA Galaxy is only one point behind Seattle. We've kind of been talking about SKC and Seattle all year, and we talked about how good LA has been. But L.A. is only one point behind Seattle and two points behind SKC without Chicharito. Pretty remarkable. We get Colorado with 31 points in fourth place after only 17 games. So if Colorado gets their two games in hand and get six more points, they'd be even with SKC. Think about that. That's kind of crazy. I don't know how that works out because the points per game doesn't match. But, yeah, that would that would track. Two more wins would give them 37 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota is in fifth with 26 points. RSL in sixth with 24 points. And Portland in seventh with 23. Then we have LAFC in eighth with 23 points. San Jose in ninth with 22 points. Dallas in tenth with 21 points. Dallas starting to really rise up to where they're only two points out of a playoff spot. <clears throat> Houston is in 18th. I mean, sorry, in 11th with 18 points. Vancouver in 12th with 17 points. Austin in 13th with 16 points. And really, Austin's even only seven points out of a playoff spot. Uh, not that they'll probably make it there, but just crazy to think that the West is really that bunched up. And that actually, for as much as we talk about SKC and, and Seattle, I think Galaxy really been hanging in there tough, even with that bad goal differential.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. it's the whole table itself. I mean, if you look at just supporters, you look at the East, you um, look at teams at the East that are looking good, you look at teams in the West that are looking good. Obviously, um, and we keep talking about the Darlings that are New England. Um, it's a really good team in New England. They're, they're tough to beat. Uh, a lot of these teams go into New England and, and have a hard time playing in New England just because of how well they've been playing. Um, and they've been doing this uh, recently without Carly's heel. So, uh, you know, they're playing without the team captain. They're playing without a guy that's more than likely winning MVP um, should he come back healthy. Uh, you know, this team, uh, it, it's 12 points clear. Uh, yes, uh, NYCFC has two points or two games in hand. Um they can make up a little bit of ground, but that's still, I mean, even if they win those two games in hand, you're putting them at 37 points. There's still six games or six points off of the top two games that they need to win. Um, New England just kind of looks like they're that, that person that's being hunted in the East. And then when you talk about the West Jordan, it is, it's like it, it's starting to get bunched up enough to where people are starting to kind of catch each other. Um, it kind of knocking each other back and forth. Uh, and I do think, I mean, Seriously, look at the. If you look at the table, look at the games in hand. I mean, there's a lot of jockeying for position that can happen, um, and just like we talked about before, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this with uh, our guest that's coming on. Um, these teams are really trying to fight for home field advantage because in home field advantage in MLS, uh, I mean, teams really can make a run if they have that nice home field advantage. Can get you know the ball in control at their home field rather than playing on the road, um, trying to go into like a Gillette Stadium or an Exploria Stadium. Um, like and Field, I mean, those are difficult places to play. As is, add the playoffs and the implications in behind it. Um, with some of these guys that are going to be coming back to form, um, you're seeing some guys come back, um, and we'll talk a little bit about some guys that are coming back to help this team that's, that we're getting ready to preview here or talk about, um, you know, this game coming up. Um, but now, nah, I mean, seriously, it, it's it's a it's a bunched up group. The West looks like it could go any direction. I mean, you're looking at a San Jose team that many. Kind of thought, hey, maybe they're going to bounce out, but now they're starting to gain some traction. Um, You're having Dallas, who we thought was, you know, playing really well, and then kind of stumbled a little bit and came back. And you know, these teams are all jockeying for positions. Uh, About 15 games left, 16 games left, 17 on for some of them. So it'll be really interesting just to see. Um, I I can't wait for them to kind of even out. I hate tables that look like this just because it's hard to tell just exactly what position you're in. Um, I know they're probably not thinking too much about it. Uh, I would say that the target for a lot of these teams now, as they look at the playoff table, they're looking at, okay, what do we need to get home field advantage? What can we do to, to help our team get to that point so we can avoid going on the road for our first round in the playoffs?
0: Yeah. The, the West is just, is just crazy here. We're going to talk about the East here in a little bit. Like you said, to preview, we're going to have a guest on about Nashville here. Um, um, all right. Let's go ahead and talk the East real quick uh, before we welcome our guest into the show. So the East uh, is not as bunched up, I guess you could say. Uh, definitely not as much as the West. I would say. Yeah, there's a bigger gap between the bottom and the playoff teams. And there's also a big gap from first and second place. New England in first place with 43 points out of 20 games. NYCFC is in second with 31 points after 18 games. Nashville in third with 31 points out of 19 games. We'll talk about them in just a few moments. Orlando down to fourth after they have 30 points out of 18 matches. Uh, So they can actually, with their game in hand against Nashville, leapfrog them. Uh, Philadelphia down to fifth with 28 points out of 19 matches. They're actually only one point above DC United. So as good as we usually talk about the union, DC United really snuck under this radar recently, and they have 27 points in sixth place. Montreal with 26 points in seventh place. And then we have the crew who have now fallen out of the top seven. They're in eighth place with 24 points. Atlanta have now moved up to ninth place with 21 points. They're in reach of a playoff spot after letting go um, of their manager. And now they are signing Gonzalo Pineda from um, Seattle Sounders, an assistant from there. And I think that's going to be a good fit for them. And he's going to start taking over soon. I think he's taking over training now, but Mm -hmm. I think the, other uh the interim is still kind of in charge of the next two matches i believe it was uh then we have the red bull uh chicago in 10th uh with 20 points red bulls in 11th with 19 i think they may need a new manager at some point because i know fans are getting a little a little frustrated with uh with how that's going uh miami in 12th with 16 points cincinnati in 13th with 16 points and toronto still at the bottom with 15 points. So there's an 11-point gap from uh, 14th to 7th, while the West is a 7-point swing. So the West definitely a little bit more open, but the East has the class of MLS in it with the the Revs. And then NYCFC really, like I said, have shot up to second place. And Nashville, who's been the surprise, and we're going to get ready to welcome on a guest talking about them. But just real quick about Revs, and I guess maybe – how surprising NYCFC have been?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, NYCFC uh, kind of dropped down the table, came back up, really became contenders in the East. Um, I remember watching the game that they played against Orlando when I was there. I was really impressed with just the way that they played. Um, you know, I think adding Tiago, adding that, that fire up in the, in the front on the wing, I think that that's helped tremendously. I think they've gotten confidence. Um, and they're a tough—they're—they're pe- they're a tough team to beat at home, just like any team in the MLS. But I think NYCFC—you know—you get that added playing a baseball stadium, playing a small pitch. This is a really difficult come their place to come in and play. Um, so I think that with NYCFC, uh, you're looking at a team that is on the rise and and trying to chase down some of these big guys in the East. Um, and nobody really talked about them. Nobody talked about Nashville really either. Um, I think a lot of people, when you look at projections and power rankings, Nashville was in a place where you know they had them at the edge of the playoffs you know maybe not in that top four but now you see this team um they have firepower their defense was really good last year as well uh and now they're getting all their guys back Alistair Johnston's coming back um Walker Zimmerman was subbed in last night so he's back the full force um and I you know I just like what they're doing in Nashville I mean I think it's interesting um when you look at a team but you know we talked a lot about teams that have a really tough time when they come in. Like what's the blueprint in MLS? Um, and and a lot of these owners come in like a David Beckham, like, you know, different owners that come in from different situations. Maybe they've owned in Europe, maybe they've played in Europe and don't understand the situation in MLS. Um, and I think it's tough for teams to come in and find their footing, uh, especially for expansion teams. Now you're looking at a team that's its second year and and it seems like they've found consistency. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the veteran presences that they have that have been in MLS and have been added into the mix. So I think that that's been a huge advantage for them. Um, but if you're talking about the rest of the East, a Philly team that's kind of struggled here lately. You're looking at Orlando, who's played pretty well but have struggled more so lately now um, that, you know, their defense hasn't played as well. And if Nani's not scoring and creating, what's really going to happen? DK's not healthy. Pato's not healthy. Benji Michel hasn't quite been there. What does that look like for Orlando? How do they score? Same thing with Philly. I think there's issues giving up in the defense. Their defense hasn't been as good as it had. Um, and they're not getting the goals that they really needed. Um, DC United, a surprise. Montreal, a surprise. Uh, and Columbus is there again in the eighth spot looking up at the rest of the table going, where's our playoff spot. And it seems like nobody's willing to, you know, willing to kind of relinquish this, this spot in the playoffs. And I, and I think that you're looking at a very good seven teams with Columbus chasing. And if Columbus can fire on cylinders, you you know, how dangerous they are. Uh, Joseph played pretty well, uh, Atlanta got grabbed a couple wins. And I think when you add more games with Joseph and he scores more goals and gets more comfortable, that team can change a little bit. So again, pretty good teams up here at the top. Um, I think that's kind of where you and I draw the line is like right around that ninth, eighth spot because I think it's difficult to kind of figure out what exactly we are going or what they're going to do as far as the playoffs are concerned.
0: All right, let's go ahead and take a short break and we'll be back with color commentator for Nashville SC, Jamie Watson. And we are back from our break and we have Nashville SC color commentator, Jamie Watson joining us. How are you today, Jamie?
2: I'm doing great, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate it, Logan.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. We were, we were looking forward to it. We are like, hey, we got to find a Nashville. We had Drake Hills on um, to preview mm-hmm. the season. We were crazy enough to go uh, team by team for, what was it, Jordan, maybe 30 days. Yeah, um, that's <laughs> it was uh It was bonkers. But, <laughs> no, we were looking for somebody, and I was like, you know what, Jamie – like, I, I like the ties to Orlando City. I was like, let's have Jamie on. So, uh, Drake's a great guest, so though.
2: He, he would give you tons of, of good insight. He's one of the yeah. uh, people that follows the team – uh, closest. He, he does a great job. Um, him and uh, a couple of the people, Ben Wright's another great one, Tim Sullivan. There's tons of them. Those are the first ones that come to mind. They do, uh, do a great job though covering the team.
0: Awesome. So we were just, you know, this has been a, uh, surprising, I guess you would say season so far for Nashville after kind of a surprising start that they had last year in MLS. This is only their, you know, second year, uh, in the league. And, um, made the playoffs, uh, made some upsets against Toronto. And then they're now currently, you know, uh, before this week, you know, we're around second place, but now they're sitting in third place and they just had a big game against DC United where they uh, have not lost at home and they went, you know, uh, down early in the game and made a comeback. What is it about this team especially, you know, like Dax has played like 400 games or whatever now. Uh, but what is it about this team that has uh, given them the the good start to MLS? Is it, you know, Gary Smith, uh, you know, he's been uh, around the league in the past. But what is it specifically, you think?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm wondering when, how, how long you have to spend a bubble playoff line, in your playoff and your MLS existence before it's less of a surprise that you. Uh-huh. I think Nashville has spent more time above it uh, than not. I think we did the um, the numbers the other day we were talking about it because there was uh, a few people that, that were quite upset about the loss to enter Miami and people were, were, were vocally upset and saying it was, you know, one of the worst losses in team history. And I think I said something like, well, yeah, there's only, there's only been nine of them. So it's, it's pretty easy. Like, you know what I mean? To, to say it's, it's a loss and, and it's getting to a point now when teams are are losing games and the Nashville's losing games and people are, are upset about it. Like genuinely really upset about it. I think it's starting to show that the mind shift is, is where Nashville expect to get a result in every game that they play. Um, I think I looked at it. I think three out of every four matches, they get a result right around those numbers. I'm not a mathematician. Um, I was like a C average <laughs> math, but uh, uh, roughly about three out of four matches are getting results. And, and especially at Nissan stadium, they've been fantastic. Seven, Oh, and five on the season. When you look at the way um, Nashville SC was built, Mike Jacobs, I think has flown so far under the radar with the credit that he should be getting, along with his scouting staff and his analytics department and Gary Smith, because Nashville has utilized league trades and mechanisms that MLS uh, provides to acquire some of the best and, and accumulate the best talent and put this team that has done so well in the roughly 18 months they've been in Major League Soccer, right? When you go through, if you look at the starting lineup, uh, Joe Willis was an expansion draft pick. Right, so they go get Dan Lovitz for just a, a couple hundred thousand from um, Montreal Impact at the time. Right, that's a great trade. Dave Romney, I think, was roughly about three fifty, four hundred thousand uh, in allocation money. He's played every minute of every game. Walker Zimmerman, um, he is a player that I didn't even think was for sale with LAFC. Right, mm-hmm. he ends up being the MLS Defender of the Year for just over a million dollars. And Alistair Johnson was picked up in the college draft, twelfth overall. Dax and Anibal, you look at those guys. Well, those are those are two guys that I think collectively cost about 700 dollars $750,000. You see guys like Mark Anthony Kaye now going for over a million. Julian Gressel mm-hmm. went for more money from Atlanta to D.C. than the two midfield pairing. And you start to go forward from there, C.J. Sapong, a free agent. Um, and look, that's, that's just kind of roughly going through the team really quickly. And you start to look at a lot of the other players that they've put together Those are just players that are here in front of you, that if you scout well, that if you approach it in a systematic way in which how can we get the best return on our investment, and that leaves you elsewhere to go and buy players, right? And then they go and they make a big investment in Ake Loba, right? A guy they chased for almost two years. So the way the team has been put together, I don't think it's talked about enough. And I think because they've been so good and so organized defensively, last year they were the best team an expansion team has ever had defensively. Well, this year in fewer games, they're one shutout off of tying that, you know what I mean? Already. So, and last year, obviously a shortened season with 23 games, but nine shutouts in 23 is really good. Eight shutouts. And I believe 18, 19 games now, um, for Nashville SC is also very good. So now they're adding goals to it. And I think they're sitting on something like 31 goals already. Um, so people, when they look at Orlando City, don't they say that they're a very attacking team and they score a lot of goals and it's great. Orlando's got 28 goals, Nashville's 31. Mm-hmm. So they've added that element to the game. So that's a long-winded answer of what the last 18 months and sort of buildup has looked like. But I think that it's it's a worthy two, two and a half minutes. I just talked your ear off because when you start <laughs> to put it in that perspective, you start to realize there's been some really good work that maybe isn't, like flashy. So people don't mm-hmm. look at it and go, wow, they, they, there's a, you know, a, an eight figure signing. There's right. more trust made about right. when you're going to FC Cincinnati. <laughs> you know what I mean? We heard plenty right. about that, but we didn't hear about how a team was built, you know, for far less than half of that. Right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, we were talking, I mean, Jordan, I was talking to Jordan just before you got on and we were talking about like that blueprint, like what does that blueprint look like for an expansion club? And when you look at it, and, and I'd listened to you and Tony Husband talk uh, on, on your last, like the NSC uh, backstage, and you guys were talking about just kind of the panic and, and the understanding that this is an 18th month. I mean, this has been a stretch of 18 months where it's just been, it's been great. I mean, if you look at other teams, Orlando City really struggled when they entered the league. Miami's still in this disarray you know buying as many players as they can and getting into trouble with it and just kind of having this okay what do we do now I don't know what direction we're going in you like you said Cincinnati bringing in Brenner it just seems like Nashville and I don't know if it was air that you know brings that kind of feeling to the club as far as the ownership but it seems like they understand how to put together a team as compared to maybe say you know Orlando City did it first or Inter Miami still struggling like Cincinnati still struggling
2: yeah no and and First of all, thank you for listening to the uh, backstage show. Oh, no, it's great. Um, We have a great time doing that show, Um, me and Tony do. And uh, when you look at the way Nashville have done it, I think they went about it in such a a strong belief in what they were doing that they were like, this is our system and our thought process, and we're going to stick to it and kind of adhere to it. read a great piece in um, The Athletic today uh, from Paul Tenorio. Right, former Orlando City mm-hmm. Sentinel reporter, their turn, big time to uh, the Athletic. He does a phenomenal job, and he talked about with Inter Miami. The the headline was, "We wanted to build a brand, not a team." Right, like that's that was that was a way and an approach that Inter Miami had, where ha- they had these ambitions of grandeur. Right, like it had mm-hmm. to be big, it had to be fitting to this. But we've also seen sort of how everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Right. You talk to some of the biggest names in the world coaching-wise, but they all fell through. And right. then you get Diego Alonso, who admittedly, Cap Champions League, great coach, just doesn't work out. Then you've got this approach of young players, and it shifts now to older players that um, Beckham can use his connections with and stuff like that. Okay, that's one way to do it, but you see where that's got you. Whereas Mm -hmm. Nashville said, this is where our lane is, and we know what we want to do, and it's hyper-focused. Does it fit what we want? Are there guys that are underappreciated? Did anybody think Dave Romney was this caliber of center back? Admittedly, no. And one of the Mm -hmm. last games I, I worked with Minnesota United was against LA Galaxy. And LA Galaxy knocked Minnesota out of the playoffs, and I watched Dave Romney play on the day, and I I remember thinking like, okay, he's a good player, but he wasn't great. Now watching play against Walker Zimmerman, and with Walker Zimmerman being away with the Gold Cup and out through a little bit of injury this season, I think the appreciation has come full circle with Dave Romney every minute of every game. I mean, it's insane. And, And then you start to see the college scouting network to find Aleister Johnston. Mm-hmm. He's a mainstay for the Canada men's national team, who I think right now we'd argue is maybe the third best team in CONCACAF. Won't be long probably before your teams come knocking over in Europe for him. Um, these were all guys that fit the mold. Joe Willis. Joe Willis was left exposed in expansion draft.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He has 17 shutouts in the last season and a half. You know what I mean? Like you're starting right. to pick up these pieces. Dan Lovett's former left back for the U.S. men's national team. Dax McCarty. On the outside, Chicago, they go and get him, and what a signing he's been! You mentioned 400 games played for Dax McCarty; it's been a wonderful servant. And by the way, he looks like he's got another hundred left in him. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it is a—it's uh, it, an insane buildup. And then you go and find Hani Mukhtar, who right now is playing some of the best soccer mm-hmm. um, we've seen. He, he's tied with CJ Sapong again, a free agent signing, and CJ Sapong, who's got eight goals already on the season. Like, are you kidding me? Hani's mm-hmm. got eight goals and six assists, I think. Um, I mean, you're getting this incredible output, you know, random layout, throw those, throw him in there as well, because those players have been stellar the last six weeks or so. It's um, a team is firing on all cylinders. And the question coming into the season was can I score goals? Well, I've scored a few of them, scored five right. the other night.
0: Yeah. With, uh, you know, you brought up Dax and even like Joe Willis. And, you know, Joe Willis, I was always a, a fan of him as a keeper. Uh, my dad's a DC United fan, so I feel like I always watched a lot of DC games. Uh, so I saw a lot of Dax, I saw a lot of, you know, Joe Wills, uh, but I feel like Dax was always underappreciated everywhere he went almost, you know, like he'd become captain for a year and then they ship him out. And then, you know, he went from like, uh, Dallas to DC to Red Bulls to Chicago and now to Nashville. So I'm glad to see that. It seems like Nashville fans and Nashville itself is really taken to Dax and. And mind uh, you have been
2: a captain everywhere he's been, right? Yeah, I mean, captain, yeah. um, at DC when he went there, he was traded yeah. for. Dwayne De Rosario. Yeah. Guys guys arguably one of the 10 best players that's played in this league, 15 best players that's played in this league. Yeah. And then he gets traded there. Then he goes to New York. He goes to Chicago. He you know, he's a captain of New York Red Bulls when they win supporter shields twice over, he goes to Chicago, still the captain with a guy named Bastion Feinsteiger there.
0: Yep.
2: <laughs> World Cup winner, you know what I mean? Like, and and then he comes in, and he's been the perfect captain for this club to, to bring him into major league soccer. And I, I can't wait for that moment when he gets to lead the team out at the, uh, the new stadium next year. Um, Cause I think he'll be a yeah. fitting leader for this, this team on the day. He's been a fitting leader uh, leading into um, where they, where he's taking the club now. So uh, it's been a thrill to watch him play. It's a joy to get to commentate on him each week.
1: So Don Garber was visiting. Uh, I saw on Twitter visiting the stadium. Can you kind of just speak to the, you know the process, what's going on there, you know when they're expecting that thing to open up, and then just kind of fill us in on what's going on with the stadium process.
2: Yeah, I think we're less than a year away. Um, and when you look at the stadium, it's going to be thirty thousand seats. it should be the largest soccer-specific stadium. Um, and when the U.S. and Canada, and you look at it, and you start going, "Wow!" Like this is a the stadium is taking life, right? Like we know. How great it was playing all those years at the Citrus Bowl and Camping mm-hmm. World Stadium, but when Exploria Stadium opened, everything about the experience is heightened, right? Because right. these stadiums are constructed from the moment you park your car to the moment you're in your seat and back. Everything is about the the experience of the fan, right? You're you're so close. I think right now, if you took this the stadium, which keep in mind, thirty thousand seats. Mm-hmm. You could drop it into Nissan stadium where the team plays now. And I think it goes back to just where the club seat starts right at the, wow. top of the lower level to like row nine or 10, you know what I mean? So you're basically right. fitting the stadium. You're condensing it almost in half from what they play in now. And so just, it's going to be covered. It'll be amazing privately funded. It's, it's just been a, a way in which it's going to transform the area that it's in much like it's done with Exploria stadium. And it's just going to be this, wonderful experience for a fan, but also it's going to add hopefully to the home field advantage of, of the team here. It's, it's really the evolution of the club and and a lot of teams sometimes have to wait in their plan for success on the field until they get the stadium. Nashville hit the ground running and found that success right away. So now they've got a very successful, good team that should be in the playoffs each season, opening up a new stadium next year, and it's going to be one of the hottest tickets in town here in Nashville.
1: So you talked a little bit earlier about Alistair Johnson, and I, I listened to the the episode that you guys had him on, um, and you talked about European aspirations. Um, can He's you guys great, just, by the way, huh? He's a what a, what a oh, guest yeah.
0: a,
2: from a host to a host right now. You dream of an Alistair Johnston.
1: I was going to say, because when I was listening to him, I'm like, he could almost have his own podcast. I mean, that's how interesting he Don't give me any was. ideas. We need listeners. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. <laughs>
1: right, guys? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I saw you had Dax working with you guys upstairs um, in the booth, but, I, you know, he's going to take my job when he's ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so just, I mean, guys like that, I mean, it it is, but, like, Alistair Johnson is most fascinating to me because when we had Drake on, he goes, he wasn't ever considered in that position where he's currently playing. They're like, he doesn't quite understand it, but he's learning it. Well, he's learned it pretty well because he's deserved as much time he's gotten with Canada National Team. Can you kind of just speak to his rise? Because that's been just a blast to watch.
2: So he's a fantastic human being. First off, Mm -hmm. Uh, I love when good things happen to good people and he's a wonderful guy. Uh, He's worked very hard. He's improved in his areas. He's, he's a very um, good one V one defender, very aggressive. He's smart. He knows when his moments are to engage in a challenge. He also knows when it's best to jockey in a challenge and then also try to use his pace to close down. Um, Or if he gets in a foot race, I fancy him in a lot of foot races with a lot of players His ability to shift into the outside center back in a three-back role with Canada was something that really blew me away in important games and World Cup qualifiers in the Gold Cup. They're playing against Mexico at AT AT&T Stadium, which is basically an away game when you're playing Mm in Mexico. I mean, I'm from Dallas. I know what that's like. And having been in those crowds, it's a tumultuous environment. Mm -hmm. It's a real home field advantage for Mexico. That's why Mexico plays their games in the United States. Right. Because they can get large crowds, people are there, and they right. turn out, right? So that shows a lot what John Herdman, the Canada men's national team, thought of him. And when you look at Aleister Johnson's maturation last year, he was drafted 12th overall, right? So there were 11 other picks of teams mm-hmm. that could have picked him along the way. And Dylan Nealis was drafted third overall to enter Miami as a right back. Now, Dylan Illis has since been traded to Nashville. They're both on the team, so arguably they got two of the best outside backs in the draft last year on the roster right now. Um, But his maturation has just really improved, and I'm excited to see him take that next level even more so going forward Mm -hmm. and being able to provide assists. He's worked on his crossing. His delivery has gotten much better. His timing of when to uh, join into the attack and just reading up the game uh, has definitely improved. I think there's still a bigger ceiling for him. But when we talked to Stephen Caldwell on our uh, NSC backstage, our radio show, Mm -hmm. he said that, and he's the assistant coach along with, uh, for Canada, as long as, as well as being the TSN analyst with Luke Wildman. Stephen said that he thinks Alistair Johnson should be playing in a top five club or top five league in this world. No problem for a whole host of clubs would be lining up for his services and said he's an outstanding, one of the best young talents in Canada right now. I mean, he's playing on the opposite side from Alfonso Davies, He's <laughs> the best 11. Richie Larea, another name from Orlando. Um, they've sort of moved him to that right wingback role in mm-hmm. the 3-5-2 because I think they see Alistair Johnson as maybe a slightly better 1v1 defender. It may be Richie being slightly better going forward, to his credit, but that was Richie's spot, that right side, and he was first. Now I think it's 1A, 1B, and that wasn't easy to do because Richie looked like he had that spot. Locked in pretty well, so uh, I'm I'm enjoying him while he's on Nashville because I don't know how long that is for, and could be 12, 18, 24 months, hopefully longer. But kid's got a huge future ahead of him.
1: It's just funny to listen to his stories. Talk about uh, Alphonso Davies, and I know just listening to you talk to him, it was exciting just to hear him say, "I'm playing next to one of the best defenders in the world," and he's. Literally, uh, he goes, I grew up watching him now. I'm playing with him, I don't know what to think half the time. But he he was like, And these
2: guys know my name (laughs) for the Canada Men's National. I'm like, Alistair, yeah, man, they probably asked the coach if you could be starting, bro. Of course, they know your name, (laughs) right?
0: Uh, so tomorrow, uh, Nashville takes on Orlando. Uh, they go, um, uh, that is at Nissan, uh, yeah, at Nissan uh, Stadium. So that's two games in a row. There. They have not lost there. Do you, what, what do you think their prospects here for Orlando, who've kind of slipped recently as they went from second down to fourth, and now Nashville's kind of leapfrogged them in the last few weeks?
2: Well, it's great because I think you're starting to, to see um, the fruits of labor from Oscar Pereja and from uh, Luis Muzi the work that they've done. And again, some of the, the work of the other coaches as well before James Connor as well, James O'Connor. And, and um, you look at some of the groundwork that's laid. Now you're starting to see those plans and ideas that were put in place, um, really starting to, to really take full effect. Um, when these two teams met last year, the season series, I think went one, one, and one um, two of the games were at Exploria last year. And I know that, um, that those were the two games in which uh, Nashville uh, they got a draw, I think, at, at home and they got they 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 lost and they won at Explorer Stadium. I'm thinking back to last year and geez, I can't even think what I have for yeah. lunch earlier today. But when you look at um when you look at the games, they were all very tightly contested. Nashville went up on the road at Explorer through a Dave Romney header, and then I think it went three one. Daryl DK did what Daryl DK does and you know, he just was incredible on the night, scored two goals, I think. One one here, I know Benji Michelle had Uh, An absolute screamer uh, here at Nissan Stadium. Randall Leal scored to tie that up. And then the the last game of the season, regular season last year, I think Orlando went up twice. Nashville came back and tied twice and ultimately won in the 93rd minute. So it's always close when these two teams play. I think there's an, uh, an appreciation and a mutual respect between the two teams because it's two teams that believe in what they do each as a team. So it's not as if one team changes what they do to accommodate another. And normally when you see that happen, it tends to be open games that have more goals because there are going to be moments in which what you as a team likes to do gets the better of the other team. And there are going to be moments in which because you didn't maybe change your game plan to accommodate something that the other team's good at, maybe what they're good at exposures you right so mm. i think looking at these two teams i think it'll be a very entertaining exciting match um if i'm scrolling through ESPN Plus and i'm a neutral and my team's not playing on the night this is the game i'm choosing to watch because i think this game has got some goals in it and i think that it's got um some exciting players right now that are playing some really good soccer so it'll be a, an entertaining matchup and I, I i don't think it'll be boring that's my prediction
1: <laughs> so, kind of talking about like expectations as as I mean going forward. Um, again, it's a team that clearly, uh, and I had listened to a bunch of podcasts for Nashville and just you know the the initial panic and freak out of like oh no we're we're starting to just draw and lose matches we can't win on the road it's been difficult all we do is win or, or sorry lose or draw on the road um, is there anything to kind of take from that I, I mean I know it's got to be some somewhat concerning. Um, you're starting to get to a point where if it starts to keep happening, it kind of becomes that trend. Um, is there a concern in that? And then also, I mean, that's got to have huge implications, right? Going forward to at least get one of those top top four spots because you're playing at Nissan.
2: Yeah, it'd be great to have a home playoff game, wouldn't it? Right. Every team wants that. That's the goal, right? It means you've done something well to be in that top four spot, like you mentioned, Logan. Um, is there a concern? Who's the, who's the concern, the question to? Is it to the players, because I don't think there's one bit of concern from right. a player standpoint because whatever criticism as a player you get and having been a former, play, former mm-hmm. player I think I understand this one pretty well one of the best sayings that's really well known um, amongst maybe even really any sport but especially soccer players with social media and the invention of that and everyone having a podcast and a blog yeah. and um, mm-hmm. you know you can you can hear everyone's opinion um, on twitter.com for free right i was in eighth right. grade B team level basketball player, but I could go in and I could talk about the Dallas Mavericks right now with the Orlando magic. And you know, if, if you don't know my background, you might think this guy knows what he's talking about when really that wasn't very good guys. So <laughs> one of the best things I ever heard was never take criticism from somebody you wouldn't take advice from. Right. So I don't think you're going to go to your mentions and look for something that somebody says and go, wow, I'm going to listen to that, and I'm going to take that to heart in right. the field next time I'm in this situation. So you shouldn't also say, oh, well, they say we can't do this, or this person says we're not good at doing this, so I'm not going to do that. So never take criticism from somebody you wouldn't take advice from. I don't think there's one bit of doubt about the the belief in the locker room and the camaraderie that Gary Smith has built with that team. I think that team knows exactly who they are and what they want to achieve. Have they gotten all the results they want on the road? Absolutely not. No. They, would, they, they expect themselves to win every game, a game mm-hmm. that – they don't win, they're going to sit there and go, well, we expected more from this game. Right. It's just, it's the mindset of a player. That's why they're there. Like athletes right. at that level are just wired differently
0: mm-hmm.
2: as pundits. We could say that's a great, great result. That's a great tie. And they may go, well, hang on a second. Why is it a great tie? Because in Toronto, Hani Mukhtar had a header late on that could have made it 2 one. And, you know, that was such a great buildup you know, maybe we should have scored that and we should be walking out here with three points, but you're saying good draws that as the TV pundit, the TV color commentator perspectives are different. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think there's one bit of doubt in that locker room right now. haven't seen the players. We get a chance to be around them um, from a distance. Right. And we get Mm -hmm. to see what they believe and they think they genuinely believe they should win every game every time they step onto the field. So um, I don't think they have one bit of doubt. I understand the concern and, and reading what other people say, but, let me tell you how little that affects the group. They may look at it and go, "Okay, <laughs> right. if we if we would have won every single game on the road this season, would you be saying we're the greatest team that's ever played?" No. So stop saying we're the you know we're right. not great at this when we right. don't win. Perspectives are different. Depends on who's who's giving it and who's taking it. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. Uh, so I got like uh, one last question before you go here uh, about uh, not not Nashville specifically, but uh, about your time as a player when you played. Uh, for Austin, Aztecs. And now that Austin now has, you know, because then they moved to Orlando, but now that Austin has an MLS team, did you ever get a vibe in Austin that it could become an MLS city and the atmosphere that's been showing there recently?
2: At the time, no. No. And I was there for a little bit uh, in 2009 and 2010. Um, And to be quite honest, that's why the team was moved from – um Austin to Orlando because everything that they wanted to accomplish in major league soccer there was so much pushback that um it it just wasn't it wasn't on the cards at the time so for it to do a 180 look Austin's great if you said right now you know congrats you won the lottery last night you have a nine figures in your bank account right now where do you want to go build a a second house I'd go to Austin and build right on Lake Travis I loved my (laughs) Austin what a place right I'd also have one at New Smyrna Beach. Don't worry. I'd have more than one. Um, That's beautiful, too. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but when you look at it and you start going, this is a this is a great town. It's young. It's vibrant. It's uh, diverse. It's got its own feel to it. And the people and the fans there were great when we were there. The facilities, we were playing at House Park, which is an a mm-hmm. independent school district's uh, field. So you couldn't sell beer at it. You couldn't make right. money you know through alcohol sales you couldn't get your own stadium you had all of these hurdles that made it a business that wasn't viable
1: mm-hmm.
2: now they go and build a new stadium now they're the only professional team in town now they're the talk of the town they are the right it's like or, why one of the, the big secrets to orlando city was they were the second team in town to the magic mm-hmm. the magic almost disassociated themselves from the community, right? Orlando City went the other way, and we were like, no, we are a team of the community. I maybe spent more time doing community appearances than I actually did playing for Orlando City over the course <laughs> of three years, right? and I'm proud of that. I think that's why it works. I think right. that's why we all started supporting this team because you felt a connection to the team. Um, we tried to do it in Austin. There were just so many hurdles at the time, and then you go to Orlando, and you saw how organic it was, how natural it was, how real it was. Look, it, it's why originally... Flavio wanted to come by the team and then they strayed from it. It's why the Wolf family saw what was there and they wanted to come and buy and pay a monopoly type money amount of money for it, you know, and, and they see what the value of it is. And I love seeing um, Mark Wolf uh, and the Wolf family putting themselves about. I, I think that they're genuinely going to correct a lot of the mistakes that were made over the past couple of years, because I think Orlando city got away from their identity
0: Yeah, yeah. I
2: really feel strongly about that. And as a former player, it disappointed me a lot. You know, I I don't, I I don't think Adrian Heath ever should have been let go in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was a personal decision more than it was a soccer decision. Um, But, you know, without going too far down that, I think that Orlando city faded from their identity and their identity was the wall. It was the fan base. It was the connection. And there wasn't that organic connection anymore. It's what we tried to start in Austin, found it in Orlando. It's straight a little bit from Orlando, but I'm excited to see what the future holds for Orlando city. Uh, Nashville has done an amazing job of cementing itself here in the community as well. Um, It's something that I love being out and about and meeting people in the community. Uh, We've got this guy named Brandon Hill who does an amazing job um, with the community outreach. Um, Chris Fred Kylie they do the fan engagement we've been doing zooms over the course of last year with fans with players it's been great to try to connect in ways that you know maybe have difficult over the last year right this team's really committed to it and I think that's why it's going to work because I see a lot of similarities in Nashville that I saw in Orlando and that's what gets me the most excited to go to work to go to a community event to go to Napier Elementary School and connect with the kids there and stuff like that so um everything that Austin wanted to find to circle back to the original, they found in Orlando and Nashville. I've seemed to find here and I fell in love with Orlando. I've already started to fall in love with Nashville and we've planted roots and we have a home and our daughter was born here. So um, it's a special place just like Orlando city was for, for my family and I as well.
1: I was going to say as, as someone who is a season ticket holder at Orlando city, it it is uh, like, like you said, I mean, it's special to see the wall. It's, you know, it's special to see the ruckus. It's, you know, going to Exploria and that beautiful stadium that they built. And like you said, with the Will family, you want it to be everything and more, especially with the way that Oscar has been, um, you know, it's been just a special time. Uh, and I know that the fans, I know from experience that the fans appreciated you and your time here and, you know, that club, because it brought professional soccer to Orlando. And like Champions you said, winning yeah, champion. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's amazing because uh, just seeing what you guys did. And like you said, it's it, unfortunate because the Magic did a nice job of trying to isolate themselves from everybody else that, you know, they had given so much to that team. But I know from experience at Orlando City fans, just talking to, you know, friends and, and people that were in the wall, just how much they appreciated your time and everybody's time here. Um, but yeah, we really enjoyed having you on, Jamie. Uh, it, it's really cool just to get your perspective. Um, hearing about Nashville, again, we, we get, we get so caught up in other teams and stuff like that. Uh, it's nice to kind of take a break from it and kind of talk just one specific team and, and kind of crunch the numbers and, and, and see what uh, somebody that's on the inside thinks covering the team. But uh, we really appreciate it. And I love the work that you and Tony do. Um, like I said, i an Orlando city fan at heart, but uh, it's hard not to watch Nashville now, like with the feed, I might just switch over and just watch your feed uh, <laughs> uh, coming up tomorrow night and, and kind of hope that, uh, the boys in purple can, can do something a little bit uh, special there uh, in
2: Nashville for you. <laughs> It'd be great game. We're looking forward to it. Tony yeah. and Kelly and I are can't wait to call it. It'll be a, a special game. um always always um, seeing Orlando city. Cause there's so many special memories shared. And uh, that means a lot to you, those kind words cause carry those with me deeply and, uh, and uh, close to my heart. So thanks for having me on anytime these two teams meet, I would love to come back on. Um, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks Jamie. Thanks Jordan. Thanks Logan.
0: All right. That was Jamie Watson, the Jamie Watson Derby coming up tomorrow. Right. Uh, he should get a cup. Commentator right? of Nashville and former Orlando City player. Mm-hmm. I guess the real one would be if uh, if Orlando faced Minnesota United. <laughs> that would be a yeah. uh, That'd be would be something. It looks like he also played for Charleston. He did. He played. Well. He
1: was on a loan spell with Charleston. I think for a match or two. Yeah, it was a like match. I see like a match on on uh, Fat Mob. So, but no, I, I know. You know, talking to people, they know him. Like I, I mean, and I, I've listened to national podcasts.
0: Well, that was a big team. I mean, it they was. were they were in the USL, yes. yep. but they were winning. They had yes. Dom Dwyer on loan from SKC, and he tore it up. And they and they were winners. And that was a. I, I mean, look as somebody that was watching MLS back then, mm-hmm. they made news on uh, uh, just they just made news where like, as an MLS fan, you're still mm-hmm. watching. Like I was watching USL stuff and I was keeping an eye on Orlando city because, you know, we vacation Orlando all the time. Mm-hmm. And that would be something I'd kind of keep an eye on. And when we went, you know, they would play at, uh, they, they definitely played at the uh, wide world sports for a season right. or two as well. Yep. But just kind of seeing them like, like I would follow that, like, Oh, they need to get into MLS. And then they eventually did. But yeah, they, they were kind of a big deal. They even had, what, mm-hmm. Wayne Rooney's brother yes. uh, on their team uh, for a time as well, John Rooney. Um, but, yeah, go ahead and continue your thoughts. Sorry, I just want to say that no. they, they were a big deal. They were a yeah. big
1: deal. Well, I mean, I mean, and, and just talking to people, that's how I knew who Jamie was. Like, I knew who Jamie was prior to all of this and when he started because I knew of his Orlando City roots. I knew people that had talked about the time of that team, and that team was special. And like you said, I mean, you, you followed a lot more than I did. But seriously, going to the stadium, if you if you mention him, they know him, they know of the team, they know the special memories that they have. And like you said, um, Orlando City had been, I mean, uh, it, it was kind of a disaster when they started, right? The, I mean, the ownership was a disaster. Uh, the team didn't really go in the right direction. Um, obviously, they, they, Adrian Heath is huge they because had a, they had a big rush. falling out. Yeah, they had a rough yeah.
0: start because of they're an expansion team. Yes. That's kind of what we see from Austin right now. Yeah. Not all of them can be like Nashville or Atlanta, you know? So right. that was kind of a, a rough spell and it, it led to pressure because the fans were expecting a winner mm-hmm. from at USL days. And that eventually led to I don't know whatever behind the scenes right. and stuff, but uh, there was fan pressure when we mm-hmm. were I was down there during their inaugural season. I was tuning into sports radio. I there was fan pressure. For yeah. Heath to go at times. Um, yeah. So I don't know if they just, you know, caved or, or, you know, it seems like there's hints of other personal things that right. I'm not aware of, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, no. So uh, it's cool. Cause like, he's so tied up in everything. I mean, all MLS, if you really think about it, just uh, Minnesota and then the Will family coming from Minnesota, it is like it when Orlando or Minnesota or Nashville play each other, I feel like Jamie's got like, Oh man, I'm in Nashville at right now. I, you know, I'm a Nashvilleite and I, I have to, Perform here, but uh, you know, he's like he said, he's uh, my, you know, a lot of my heart still in Orlando. I love Orlando City and what I built there and what how I, you know, I helped. And I know reading stuff about Jamie, he's always been involved in community outreach and and being involved in the community and talking to fans. And that's so big. And if you go on their Twitter, um, and we'll, we'll drop their stuff in the, in the show notes and stuff. But um, if you go and follow that, that NSC back, uh, backstage, um, it's like the, it's like the quintessential or like the behind the scenes. It's that quintessential follow for just anybody that's a Nashville fan, um, just because he and Tony do such a good job. It's like having a fireside chat and then they bring on really cool guests, Um, like you said, uh, Alistair obviously was on the other day. Um, but again, it's cool just to kind of get his perspective because he's been everywhere. Um, he's worked and so much, um, uh, you know, a lot of television working so many different leagues. Um, it's fascinating. So, um, yeah, it was, that was a lot of fun. Um, I learned a lot. So, and I just like a good story cause they can tell good stories.
0: Yeah, that was, that was a great time. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's talk real quick. Some news. Uh, there was an extension. As union just continue extending people. Here, <laughs> they extend uh, Olivier Embazio uh, 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 to a multi-year contract extension. He's 24 years old. He's played 18 of their 19 matches. Uh he's kind of getting some stick from the uh, from the fans I think mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh but you know really uh being an impromptu start to the season cuz you know Ray Gaddis announces retirement super late. So uh he's he's done well. He's been a little bit of a standout. Sometimes he's been lately giving up a little bit of passes for goals and not you know tracking back and stuff. But right. you know th- that stuff is going to happen. He'll he'll adjust. But it's nice to see Another extension there for for the Philadelphia Union, um, and let's go ahead and get our schedule out of the way. So there's two games tonight, the night we're recording this, of Tuesday. So we won't know what that will what those score lines will be, but they're both at 10:30 as the Galaxy take on the Rapids in like a top four matchup, uh, which should be really fun. And that's in LA. And then we also have San Jose Quakes versus Minnesota. Uh, that's also at 10.30, like I said. Oh, both of those are on ESPN+. Plus. That one's in San Jose. Um, then tomorrow, the 18th, we have uh, Atlanta versus Toronto at 7 o'clock. New England versus D.C. at 7. Uh, that one's at Gillette. Uh, Cincinnati versus Montreal at 7.30. Miami versus Chicago at 7.30. Uh, Philadelphia versus NYCFC at 7.30. I'm dreading that one. NYCFC play us so good all the time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's at Subaru. (laughs) That's at Subaru Park. Uh, Red Bulls versus Columbus in uh, Red Bull Arena. That's interesting to see if Columbus can turn it around at any point. Mm -hmm. Dallas versus Seattle. Dallas coming off a loss. Seattle coming off a triumphant win against a rival. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we have Kansas Sporting Kansas City versus Portland at 8.30. Nashville versus Orlando, which we just talked to Jamie about. That's at 8.30 at, at Nissan Stadium. Austin at uh, 9 o'clock versus Vancouver. And Real Salt Lake and Houston at 10 o'clock. All of those are on ESPN Plus or your local channels. So check your local channels if you're within those uh, markets. Um, Friday. We have LA Galaxy versus San Jose on ESPN2 at 10.30. Then on Saturday, we have Columbus versus Seattle at 5.30 on Big Fox. Then at 8 o'clock, we have DC United versus Atlanta. 8 o'clock, we have Miami versus Toronto. 8 o'clock, we have New England versus Cincinnati. Then on FS1 at 8 o'clock, we have Red Bulls vs. Uh, New York City FC in the Hudson River Derby. Um, that's on FS1. Orlando versus Chicago at 8 o'clock. Philadelphia Union versus Montreal at 8 o'clock. Houston versus Dallas at 8.30. Austin versus Portland at 9. Colorado versus Salt Lake at 9. And at 10 o'clock we have Vancouver versus LAFC. And then on Wednesday, August 25th we have the All-Star Game. So we'll talk about that next Tuesday as it is the MLS All-Stars versus Liga and Mechies, uh, All-Star game, uh All-Stars uh, for the All-Star game on, uh, like I said, uh, the 25th. On the 26th, though, Pacific FC versus Vancouver in the Canadian Championship at 10 o'clock. So we'll talk about those two games as we'll preview those uh, next week. And uh, yeah, uh, any other things you want to talk about before we head out of here?
1: No, I think we covered it all. had a blast having Jamie on. Thanks, Jamie, if you're listening. Um, really appreciate you jumping on. Give us some insight. And, uh, uh, yeah, we'll have him on again, definitely. That was a lot of fun.
0: It was a lot of fun. Uh, so thank you, Jamie, for jumping on here. If you want to follow the show, it is on Twitter, at Stateside Show, Instagram, at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Show, Or email us, StatesideShow at gmail.com. All those links are also in the show notes um, alright so thank you for watching I hope you enjoyed our sit down with Jamie and we will get catch you next time where we talk about the midweek and weekend matches have a great one tomorrow throwing his body in it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic oh come on come on thank you for listening to stoppage time soccer show we hope that you continue to listen to our show. As we recap, the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL, this is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop and Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.